Hey everybody, Richard here, and thank you for clicking on episode 1 of season 2 of the Enlightened Investing Podcast. In today's episode on foreign investing, we're going to be talking about what foreign investing is, how you can buy foreign stocks, and the pros of foreign investing, so make sure to listen to the whole episode. Welcome back everyone to season two of the Enlightened Investing Podcast, your educational podcast about the stock market. If you haven't already, you should go and look back at season one's episodes, where we covered a lot of basic information about the stock market. We'll be covering more basic and slightly more advanced topics this season, so make sure you're caught up to understand everything. Joining us for this episode is Mr. Charles D. Lutz III, the president of Intercontinental Wealth Advisors. In today's episode, we'll be discussing foreign investing. So first, to start out the season, what is foreign investing and how does it differ from domestic investing? Richard, I, I have a bias in that regard because our, our firm has been investing globally for 40 years. So we feel as if uh, even before the global economy was as global as it is and before markets were as interconnected as they are, we've, we've always known and appreciated the value of investing in markets all around the world, both equities and fixed income. So it's, it's really a tradition, a hallmark for our firm. And I guess what differentiates it or what enhances the overall investment landscape by virtue of, of investing internationally is just the exposure to, to different markets for, for broader diversification. Um, you know, there's such high rates of growth abroad in, in so many countries, both, both developed and emerging. So we think the potential is, is very, very strong there. Really, in more than half the world's investable market um, activity, it lies outside the U.S. So we just think it's the right thing to do, the best thing to do. Yeah, and what's great too is foreign investing isn't just when you invest in a stock. Foreign investing could be a stock, a bond, a mutual fund, a hedge fund, or an ETF that is based and operated in another country. So it, it pretty much lives up to its name. That's true. That's true. It does. Yes, sir. And also, a lot of you guys, you may hear the word Forex when trading in foreign stocks. And that's just sort of a fancy way to say foreign exchange market, which could be any exchange that's not in your home country. And next, we'll discuss how you can invest in foreign companies. So first, what are ADRs and GDRs? Well, ADRs are American depository receipts and uh, GDRs are global depository receipts and they're financial instruments that are transferable. Uh, that are supported. They're traded on a local stock exchange, but they represent a security interest in, a, in shares of a, of a non-U.S. company. So uh, shares issued by a foreign publicly traded company. So ADRs are, are traded on U.S. stock exchanges and GDRs. Global depository receipts are traded on European stock, stock exchanges. So um, we have a fair amount of activity in ADRs within our firm. Yes, and an ADR, you know, you mentioned this, the main difference is that an ADR is only when it's a foreign company listing its shares on a United States market. And then you're right, a GDR could be like, it could be any market in the world. Okay, so you can also buy 
foreign stocks directly through stockbrokers and online brokerages. So how can this be done? Well, you know, you can open an account and most of the large custodians and um, clearinghouses in the U.S. offer those services. We, our firm uses Schwab, but just using Schwab as an example, um, they, they can op open a global trading account that gives uh, an investor access to many exchanges, a dozen or more exchanges in different parts of the world. So we prefer, Richard, to invest through managers uh, or to hire fund managers or use ETFs, as you mentioned, exchange traded funds to make these investments ourselves for our clients rather than buying the shares directly. We feel as if we we do a better job when we, we engage the services of someone who, who does this day in and day out. Yes, and that's sort of the main thing is, you know, you can buy it through online brokers that let you do a global account, just like you said. And then another thing you can do, which isn't really as good of an option as the first one, is that you can open an account from, with a stockbroker from the target country that you're investing in. But this could have a lot of problems because you still have to deal with like currency conversions because that country probably has a different currency and there's also going to be different tax to consider and maybe different fees that that broker charges. So there's a lot of things to consider when you're going to open an account with a stockbroker from another country. That's true. And, and you, you really... Uh, identified an important thing to watch out for, and that's that's fees. So, you know, you can generate quite a lot of expense pretty quickly uh, if you're not careful with that sort of thing. But no, you've identified the uh, number of different ways to invest in, uh, globally and, and directly with um, companies domiciled in other countries other than the U.S. Yes, sir. And we're I think we're going to talk about fees a lot more in part two of foreign investing. But for now, the last investing option, which we have already mentioned, is we've said, we've discussed ETFs and mutual funds a lot on this podcast, both of them being pooled investment options. So it may not be surprising that you can invest in foreign companies through mutual funds and ETFs that may invest internationally, or maybe they focus on one region or one country. Are there any extra things to consider when investing in these global funds? Well, uh, obviously, you're very thoughtful about how you pick the uh, the fund or the ETF, but there are various advantages associated with doing that. And those include trading flexibility, portfolio diversification, and risk management, and then lower costs and tax benefits associated with, with investing that way. So there's less risk of unforeseen tax consequences, for example, if we invest through um, reputable and well-organized mutual funds and e uh, ETFs. So, yeah, I mean, that's that that's a good way to invest. Yeah, one thing to note, too, is that so the U.S. government a lot of times will have different tax laws on these global funds. And it's a pretty logical reason. I mean, you don't want all of your citizens putting their money outside of your country. You want them investing in U.S. companies. So a lot of times taxes on these global funds is going to be a little bit higher. Of course, if you believe that it's a good investment and that it's going to go up in value, that shouldn't stop you from buying the funds. Any investor is, is going to presumably be supported by the right sort of tax advice so that he or she doesn't you know, wander into an unfamiliar area and, and, and wind up incurring tax liabilities that, that, that should not have been you know, the, unnecessarily. So 
Uh, that's that's why it's so so important to have good good accounting support. But you know, in their myriad of trade uh, treaties among countries around the world, I'm not only for disclosure of information, but also tax reporting and that and that sort of thing. But I guess in summary, it's 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 so important. Don't you agree that that we do business? with the most reputable firms we can we can identify, regardless of where in the world we're doing business. Yes, sir, that's so true, because without them, you wouldn't be aware of like all these little things like taxes and fees. And if you're not aware of that, you could really get yourself in a lot of trouble with, you know, you drown yourself in all these taxes and fees that you have to pay. Yeah, and it would, it would pretty quickly eliminate the benefit of, of uh, the investment gains or the dividend or interest right. income that you've created. That's that's a very good point, Richard. Yes, sir. And then the final way to invest internationally, this one is way more indirect, but if you're not comfortable with any of the methods we've already mentioned, you could also invest globally through what's called MNCs or multinational corporations. So how does this method work? Well, there are advantages. Almost without exception, multinational corporations are large companies, so they have a high level of assets, and, and they turn over their assets pretty, pretty frequently. They have they they're obviously domiciled. They have a headquarters in in one specific country. They've got to have operations in two or more countries in order to be considered multinational. But um, so they have a network of branches and. Therefore, they more often than not, Richard, have sophisticated technology. They have strong labor, labor markets or pools from which they can draw in the countries in which they do business. Uh, they have the benefit or the efficiencies associated with marketing in, you know, in, in different countries and the advantages associated with that kind of exposure. And if, if we're going to be interested in investing in them, of course, we're going to make sure that they that they have good quality products, that what they produce is, is something that the world wants. So an avoidance of tariffs, again, with these treaties among countries, um, multinationals are able to do in many instances, most instances, a very good job of protecting investors from import quotas, tariffs and other sorts, again, to your point about about fees or greater financial exposure for the investor. One thing we haven't mentioned, Richard, is the fact that for more than 40%, close to half of the revenue generated by Fortune 500 countries in the U.S. is generated in other countries. You, right. you know yes, that. Sir. So uh, just by investing um, in the Fortune 500 or the S yeah, the Fortune 500 companies, we uh, we we get exposure to multiple revenue streams from from around the world. Most companies, especially large companies, like you said, do get to operate globally. So like an example of that would be McDonald's. It is an American company and it's traded on an American exchange, but McDonald's has their restaurants all over the world and a large part of its money comes from operations in other countries. So if you buy a large company like that, like McDonald's, you're getting a little bit of international exposure but it's definitely a lot more indirect than the other options. Finally, to finish off part one of foreign investing, what are the pros of foreign investing? Why do all this in the first place? Well, diversification is probably the most valuable benefit, I guess I would suggest, of global investing. Um, a global portfolio, a broadly diversified portfolio acts as a 
has has more stability. And and you know, if we invest globally, then we're not we are in asset classes that are not moving in lockstep with one another. So if one part of the world is not performing at a particularly high level, another part will be. And and we want non-correlated assets for that for that reason, for that purpose. So you know, so that, that's that's clearly a, a benefit associated with investing across global geographies. And we already mentioned the fact of the you know the more than forty percent of, of revenue uh, from American companies that's generated globally. You know, accessing investment opportunities that are that are not available to us domestically. Um, you know, we may have in the U.S. some of the world's most proficiently operated tech companies, for example, but maybe we don't have the same expertise when it comes to other things, perhaps like like healthcare or engineering. You know, we would go to Europe for that, um, Australia for investing in, in commodities. So um, just, just again, diversification and, and investing broadly across multiple markets. And I think we already talked briefly, did we not, Richard, about currency diversification, but that I feel is is very important as well. Again, there are currencies that that are appreciating at, at a certain time, and there are those that are depreciating. And 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 the dynamic of of our currency, for example, the U.S. dollar against other currencies, impacts well such things as oil prices and and all sorts of things. So it's it's you know it's it's a rich investment landscape now it just requires quite a lot of expertise to do it to do it intelligently to do it wisely yes sir i mean like you said diversification and growth like maybe maybe the u.s we have a bear market but maybe if the uk's got a bull market in europe if you're invested globally then maybe you're not losing all your money and then the last point i'll make on that too is that in these companies that are really far away different different events are happening so a lot of times these foreign companies they can offer really fast growth which can also mean much higher risk but they can have maybe emerging economies and markets and in these foreign companies maybe there's a lot more emerging emerging companies emerging industries and that could be a really great investment opportunity look at the at the percentage and it's i don't know exactly what it is but well over half of the world's consumers under the age of 30, yourself, Richard, uh, live in emerging markets and just think of the pent-up demand for technology that virtually all of those people have. It would be so short-sighted not, not to invest, not only internationally, but to have emerging market exposure as well. Yes, sir. It's, it's an incredible opportunity at this time. It right is. Now. It is. Okay, and that is going to conclude Season 2, Episode 1 of the Enlightened Investing Podcast, Foreign Investing Part 1. So, Mr. Lutz, thank you so much for being here and for your responses. Everyone listening, make sure to leave a rating for our podcast. Email us with any questions at enlightenedinvesting at enlightenedinvesting.net. Follow our Instagram at enlightened underscore investing. And check out our website www.enlightenedinvesting.net, where we now have a blog with articles all about our episodes. So that's all for now. Stay tuned for more. Disclaimer. 
Neither the host nor the guest speakers can guarantee possible outcome or profit from our discussions. Our ideas and opinions are based upon reliable information, but in the end, their only expressions are our best opinions, and some of those opinions could be incorrect.